Content burnout is real. It can be completely overwhelming to run content marketing without a system in place. With so many moving pieces, it's impossible to keep the content engine running smoothly without a project management plan in place. I recently interviewed Erin Balsa, and she explained her project management process for me. And now I'm sharing that interview with you. Yes, you. So stay tuned. We're about to get started. Hello, and welcome to Tiny Marketing. I'm Sarah Noel Block, and I teach small marketing departments that are tired of feeling overwhelmed and under-resourced how to build and manage effective and efficient marketing strategies that work for them. Get ready, it's time to dig in and get a big impact with your tiny team. Hey, Erin, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Sarah, thanks for inviting me to chat. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I LinkedIn socked you for, I don't know, a couple years, probably. So I finally was able to get a conversation with you. Thank God for social media. I'm a big fan of social media stalking as well. So hey. Yeah, yeah. I pretty much talk at people until they notice me. (laughs) And then then I make them be friends with me. (laughs) Love it. It's a good strategy. It's obviously working. Um, Can you, for anybody who's not stalking you right now, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. I'm Erin Balsa. I live just south of Boston, and I am founder and chief picky editor at Erin Balsa Content Marketing. And I work with B2B SaaS companies who really need to give their content a complete overhaul, whether that means it's boring, it is not getting enough, you know, action. So content is designed to make selling easier, but a lot of content doesn't do that. It just kind of dies a slow death on the internet. And I am here to breathe mouth-to-mouth resuscitation into dead content. I love that. And we're going to get into the content research piece because you are really big on original research. And I can see why, because I took your course and I'm like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You get a lot more, you get longer legs with that original research. But but first, I want to talk about project management. Yay, project (laughs) management. (laughs) So I was, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to on. You were a guest, but you were talking a lot about project management and your process with your internal team. I think you called it your internal agency. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. What is your general process when you begin a content marketing project? How do you lay it out? Are we talking specifically about reports? Because it's a kind of different beast than Mm -hmm. a smaller... So anything. Anything. Okay. So right now, I recently, about a month ago, left my day job as a marketing director at the Predictive Index. So I'm a solopreneur right now. So I am going to not tell you how I'm currently doing things because it's not necessarily the same way I was doing things when I was managing a 10-person team. Mm -hmm. So if I'm managing a team, I live and die by project management software. I remember back in the day when I was trying to manage content on a Google Sheet. And to this day, I still work with some clients that are managing content on a Google Sheet. And these are big businesses, companies making $50 million a year, $75 million a year. These companies need to be getting onto to project management software, which is what I try to advise them. Because, you know, content has so many moving pieces. Reports are at the high end of that scale. You know, mm-hmm. my project management template for a report has, you know, you saw it, you bought my course. It has about a yeah. hundred different steps. But even something as simple as a blog post. 
there's subtasks, right? So if you have a Google Sheet, it can be really hard to track where things are at any given time, especially if you have to you know, have a subject matter expert interview. You have to have that person sign off on the content. You have it edited. You're sending it to design to have a graphic made to put in line or for social media sharing. A blog post can have all these different moving pieces and that can easily get lost when you're using a Google Sheet. So with project management software, you can have your task, you can have your subtasks and you can create a template so that it's super easy just to recreate that. And you always know that you have that little mini checklist built right into the task. So I live and die by project management software. And I try to get all my clients to to adopt it too. Completely agree with you. (laughs) I think I remember you're using Asana, right? Or you were with your team? Yep. I use it myself too in my business, but I did use it with my team. Okay. Yeah. I use so many different ones because all of my clients are on their own. So internally, we are just now onboarding teamwork to get um, a better look at like, because we can track budget versus cost right in the project, which I really love. It's cool. Yeah. But we've been on Trello before and my clients are on ClickUp, Asana, and Basecamp. So I've dabbled in every single platform, I think, that exists out there. Totally. And over the years at an agency, we've used Airtable and a bunch of different things. The one I haven't used that I'm dying to use is Monday. I hear so many good things about Monday. So hopefully, you know, I will get a chance to use that in the future. Yes. Yes. Um, What did you think about Airtable? I, I played with it. I'm like a chronic beta tester. And I was like, hmm, I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have to do a ton in it. I was never project managing. It was more just like having access to it for all those briefs and tasks. So it was pretty easy to use in that aspect. I'm not sure how uh, easy it is when you're the person, you know, creating the projects and setting up all the different rules. Like I find Asana super easy. It's not pretty. It's not gorgeous. It's not like something I'm like, oh my God, I love Asana's UX and interface, but it really does work. And once you know what you're doing, it's really powerful. Yeah. I I don't know if I mentioned it. One of my clients is on Asana. So it was a more recent client. And so I've just started using it and I'm not mad at it. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. And I like that you can customize it. So I made it all pretty in their brand colors. (laughs) So when I look at it, I'm like, okay, I'm working on this client because these are all their brand colors. Right. Yeah. Definitely gets gets the job done. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to the content team. So when you were internal, what were your must-have roles on your content team? I cannot live without an in-house writer. So I actually had this conversation with one of my clients yesterday. So they are a successful, growing software company with about 30 different people writing content, vendors, freelancers, agencies, and they don't have an in-house editor or managing editor. So they have one of their marketing directors who's doing a million different things, uh, managing the calendar, managing all these vendors. And that's, that's a lot to put on somebody who, you know, doesn't necessarily live and breathe content. So I really recommend that this client and any client in a similar situation, because it's very common, they hire a managing editor. Doesn't have to be someone super senior, someone who is organized, efficient, coachable that can manage the, all the moving pieces and also someone who can edit content because when you have, you know, even if you don't have 30, let's say you have two or three different freelancers creating for you, 
you need someone who can make sure that it matches the quality standards that you've set. Mm-hmm. It matches your brand voice. And if you have a strategic narrative that this, you know, freelancer is actually speaking about the narrative in different pieces, because if you're not, it's very disjointed, especially when you have this SEO content and the objective is really with these SEO agencies, get it to rank, get it to rank. They're not thinking about strategic narrative and, you know, all of those pieces that are so important because brand drives demand. And if you have that internal person who is kind of the steward of that within the content, it's really, really powerful. So for me, if I haven't been playing that role myself, I have to have that on my team, um, as well as at least one full-time in-house writer. Well, that makes a lot of sense, having that managing editor that's in-house because external people, they're working with a lot of different clients. So they might not nail your brand voice or the objective that you're that you're actually aiming for with that content piece. So having that final eye on it makes a ton of sense. And mm, I think that nobody I know has an in-house managing editor. <laughs> and what happens is when you don't have that function and that person that really owns it, you have too many cooks in the kitchen because no one feels confident about this content. So then you have, you know, 10 different managers, 10 different directors, maybe even the CMO peeking at content. And that is a huge waste of their time. You should have your, you know, in-house managing editor that reviews content. If it's speaking about the product, maybe you have a product marketing manager sign off to make sure that the product is being spoken about in the right way. And that should be it. You don't need to have 10 people review every single blog post. That's just a waste of resource. You should have someone who you trust to do that on behalf of the team. Yeah. And I feel like when there's too many people involved in the content piece and having to sign off in the revisions, yeah. it's really disjointed and you lose that smoothness that you might have had originally, but you just needed like a couple tweaks to make it more on point for your brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Liz Willits actually posted something yesterday that gave me a chuckle and it said, the copywriter's dilemma. And so the copywriters, you know, creates this headline and it has statistics and it says something like, we're going to reduce your churn by 32% in 40 days. And so then it says the CMO says, Oh, I don't want to make any promises. You know, our product changes a lot. So now the copywriter removes those numbers and the data. And then someone <laughs> else says, Oh, you know, this seems too boring. Let's make it more creative. And by the end, this headline doesn't make any sense because there's too many cooks in the kitchen. So yes. that is something you always want to try to avoid. Uh, Liz, Liz is another one I stuck. She's yeah. really good. She is. <laughs> okay. All right. Last question with project management. How do you structure your team and projects so the entire process from beginning to end runs smoothly? When there's a lot of handoff points, I find that it can fall apart between you know, passing the baton. Gosh, yes. So again, I'm speaking about best practices and how I did it at my last job, because right now it's just me. So for me, project management software, number one, planning, number two. So a lot of companies, they work in silos, you'll have, you know, the content team, the product marketing team, the brand team, the comms team, the demand gen, and it's kind of like an assembly line. And in many agencies, that's how it works too. You have your strategist who says, this is what we're going to do. And then the content team writes it. And then the design team designs it. And then blah, 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 goes through the assembly line, goes on the website. So that can lead to, again, disjointed strategies because nobody's thinking about the whole picture. They're just thinking about doing their little piece of the assembly line. Mm -hmm. So what I thought really worked well is to do co-planning 
so that you have different stakeholders from the different functions working together. So for example, let's say that the product marketing team, they set the annual theme of the year. Typically, that might be based upon the strategic narrative. And so once you have that, they're also going to set their quarterly sub-themes. And these are the themes that are going to guide all of the marketing campaigns so that when you have a shared marketing calendar, you can see sub-theme for the quarter. What are the different initiatives that DemandGen are doing? What are the different initiatives that content is doing? And then from there, you're going to get together and plan your content campaigns. So for me, it might be this quarter, we're going to do a research report, and that's going to be our big content. From there, we're going to chop it up and repurpose it. And we're going to, you know, have to create these net new pieces to support this campaign. And then also you're, you know, planning in conjunction with your demand gen team. And they might have a complementary campaign that's not a content campaign. However, it still needs content to support it. So you have to be understanding how much space to carve out on your calendar so that you're able to do your own campaigns and support the needs of the business. So for me, it's really good project management and good co-planning. Yeah. And starting with that strategic annual and quarterly themes. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you do an annual planning and then do you do all of the quarterly planning at once or do you do that each quarter? Each quarter, I think it's great to have themes in mind in advance so that you always understand the journey that you're trying to take people on across the year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these different sub themes help people understand different parts of this overarching kind of umbrella theme. So you're going to understand, you know, the problems in this theme, and then you're going to take them to, you know, some solutions. And then within each quarter and within each campaign, you're going to have some content for top of funnel, middle of the funnel and all the different Mm -hmm. intent stages that that people go through so that no matter where they are in their journey, there's content for them by ICP and by by your intent stage. All right. Brilliant, brilliant. And I'm glad you brought up content research because that will be our next topic. Great. But before we wrap up this conversation, can you explain how people can work with you? where they can find you online, anything you're working on. Yeah. So I'm the only Erin Balsa on LinkedIn. So lucky. (laughs) So convenient. So lucky that I married a guy with an unusual last name. (laughs) So you can search for Erin Balsa and you'll find me on LinkedIn. I also have a website, erinbalsa.com. And on that website, you can access my course. I have one course right now called the Research Report Playbook. And I teach people how to create original uh, research reports that drive leads and demand and thought leadership and act as a tool across the entire funnel, even to support your sales enablement, even to get you speaking engagements and press mentions and backlinks. And it's just such a powerful piece of content. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the interview today. At this point, you should now understand how to structure your content marketing project what roles you need filled on your content team. By the way, this can be a fractional team. You don't need to hire in-house exclusively. And how to keep projects running smoothly with multiple team members and projects in the work. Thank you for joining me. Before you go, hop over to LinkedIn and follow me and Erin Balsa. I'm Sarah Noel Block, Erin Balsa. We're both on LinkedIn a lot. And sign up for my newsletter where you'll receive weekly content marketing tips all provided through the lens of effective and efficient systems. I'm a systems girl. I love it. See you next time.
Hello, and thank you for joining Tiny Marketing. I help tiny marketing departments create consistent content that builds trust with their audience. Book done-for-you content marketing at sarahnoelblog.com. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. See you next time, friends.